0: New Jersey is the
1: world. Hi everybody, Chris Gathard here. Welcome to New Jersey is the world. So excited to bring you the second ever edition of our small business spotlight. Uh, Previously we did Four City Brewery up in Orange. Today we're going to be taking a look at Mutiny Barbecue of Asbury Park. And as you can imagine, a lot of questions. About starting a business, about starting a business that's food-focused in a city where the bar has been raised very high when it comes to food. About starting a food-based business in one of the food genres that Jersey's not known for. And a whole lot more. And a whole bunch of tangents. About soda and other dumb stuff along the way. The um, whole point of this, let's remember, is that there's small businesses all over this state, and these are the backbones of communities. There's things out there that are chains. There's places that are corporate funded. Those places have their place. But we all know, when somebody out there has an idea, and they bet on themselves, they take a big swing, they try to get something off the ground, that is about as Jersey as it gets. So if you're listening to this podcast, you clearly are either from Jersey, or you got love for the Jersey vibe, and... I think it is safe to say. We got to support our local businesses. So support Mutiny Barbecue. In fact, guess what? This is coming out on July 18th. Mutiny is open Wednesday through Sunday. If you go this week and you are at the $5 or $10 tier of our Patreon, we got a code word. You go ahead, you get $5 off your order. So uh, again, thanks to our Patreons. Everybody who's ever signed up at patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world. We really appreciate you. You see out there, you're the ones who allow us to keep this thing going. And if you're at that $5, $10 tier, you get $5 off if you go this week. So that's if you go the week this comes out, right? It comes out on the 18th. So if you go uh the Wednesday through Sunday of that week, 2022, and you use a certain catchphrase that you uh, will be told about on our Patreon, you get $5 off. And if you're, if you're out here, see, I'm not good at math, but if you join at the five dollar tier, if you, maybe you're going. I've always wanted to check out their Patreon, but I'm hesitant. I've never joined the Patreon, or I don't know who, who knows if it's good or not with that five dollars a month. Maybe this is the month you sign up at the five dollar tier. You go down, you get your your meal at Mutiny Barbecue. You effectively get that five dollars back this month, and then you get to poke around the Patreon, see if it's for you, and if you like it, you stick around, and if you don't like it, you unsubscribe. Simple. Right, That's me trying to be industrious and get something off the ground My small business, (laughs) this podcast Anyway, it was so nice to talk to Tom Much love to Tom and Martha Dunphy of Mutiny Barbecue Such a good conversation about food culture and business culture and, And supporting not just the Boardwalk and Cookman businesses of Asbury Park And thinking hard about how to make mistakes And learn from them and survive and thrive. And one of the things that jumped out at me the most, I think we'll all agree, when you hear about how another business you maybe have heard of in Asbury Park was so instrumental in the birth of Mutiny Barbecue, I think you're going to say, right, that's the Jersey way as well. When you come up, you help everybody else come up. You do your best to help, help further things for other people, spread the safety net far and wide for everybody. Anyway, it's a great combo. I hope you dig it. I greatly enjoyed talking to it. Maybe I'll see you at Mutiny Barbecue this week. Hello, everybody. My name is Chris Gethard, and uh, welcome to New Jersey's The World. This is our second-ever edition of Small Business Spotlight. There's small businesses all over this great state of ours. We like to highlight them. We like to let you know that there's there's good-hearted people building things from the ground up. You might remember a few months back, we highlighted uh, Four City Brewing in Orange. Today, happy to tell you that we're uh, we're supporting someone who kind of come to know organically, because you've been... I'm talking with Tom from Mutiny Barbecue. Hi, Tom. How are you?
2: Hey, how's it going? Hi, everybody.
1: Mutiny Barbecue is, of course, uh, Fifth Avenue, Asbury Park, I believe.
2: That's correct. 808 Fifth Avenue, right next to uh, Georgie's Bar.
1: And I've, I feel like I first came to know you. I did a show called Power Bottom. Great, great comedy show that runs out of Asbury Park. Ali Mae brand runs it. Great show. Apologies to anybody who hears my son uh, crying and screaming <laughs> underneath me, um, but I did the show, and they were doing a giveaway for Mutiny Barbecue, and I think we met that night. And then I realized you were you were listening to the show, so you're a comedy fan too, which makes me feel good about you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I and Power Bottom is such a cool show. It, it I, I'm a Allie and Joe who run the show are, are friends of mine, and they you know they approached us early on hey, to do this giveaway at, at their show every month. And it was a no, such a no-brainer for us. And it's so cool, I think, that we have this New York-style comedy show like, and, and really great talent. And obviously, someone like you being there was a, was a huge win for them. Uh, and, and right here in Asbury Park, that, that uh, it, it's, it's always such a good vibe. It's always such a great show. So for us to be involved there, was easy.
1: Now, I want to talk to you about Asbury Park because I believe in the research I've done, first of all, I think you opened 2021 officially.
2: Yeah, we we opened the restaurant in December of 2021.
1: And you had been doing some uh, catering before that, I believe.
2: Yeah, we were we were doing catering and, and some pop up type stuff for uh, the two years prior to that.
1: So this is an insane time to start a business. First of all, so kudos to you for being <laughs> up you. and running and surviving. I can't imagine the stress.
2: Yeah, uh, it, it it was stressful. It it was crazy, and we we had a winter was kind of brutal to us we learned every possible lesson that you can learn in business the hardest way possible Uh, but we made it we made it to summer and that was kind of just the goal was like it's it's the shore it's summertime get get to there and you'll be okay and we did it so it feels good
1: now i mentioned i want to talk to you one of my first questions because i just spent a chunk of time in asbury park we did our live kids show down there on wednesday and then my family and i stayed for a few more days we just found a place and went to the beach and hit things up. It's become a food hub, right? It went the, this legend of Asbury park building. I remember when I was a kid, everybody who went to shows there at the stone pony knows the boardwalk, largely abandoned. You had the Howard Johnson's down there. You had the convention center and the music venues. And that was about it. Um, And now obviously Asbury park has changed a lot. It's built up a lot. You mentioned they're doing New York style comedy shows. There's also, Restaurants getting written up, right? I mean, Tallulah's, Porta's. You've got, you know, the research. I feel like so much love for the old school, uh, Frank's Deli. You got Mogo. You got all these spots opening. Um, opening a restaurant in Asbury Park, it must put you in a certain conversation, which is very nice. Also, must put a magnifying glass on your business right out of the gate, in a way that I have to imagine. intimidating so what's it like to integrate yourself into this food scene that's really blown up in Asbury Park
2: yeah you know yeah Asbury Park's food scene has has really got gotten huge and that was that was a big motivating factor for us when we were starting this like we we were working out of a shared commercial kitchen initially as caterers in Asbury Park a a place called the Asbury Park food collective that's owned by MoGo Uh, you know it's their warehouse area that they opened up to food entrepreneurs who were in a position like ours Trying to trying to start an idea, but not ready to take on a brick and mortar and all the overhead and the responsibility. Um, it it's great to be in town because the uh, Asbury has become such a food destination that uh, you kind of you instantly have some cachet when when you mention that you're in Asbury Park. There's a there's a certain cool factor to it, and and yeah, there, then there's an expectation that you have to live up to for sure. But um, what one of the things that's been amazing especially for us early on is how how welcomed we were by the the business community and specifically by other restaurant tours people were so supportive so helpful coming out early uh you know when we first opened our doors just uh just a lot of the local restaurant tours embraced us and we were so grateful for that it's um it's like it it, it it's a unique kind of group of people but so so many good folks own restaurants in town. When which is funny too, because I think that uh, that the that the res- the reputation of like a, a restaurant tour isn't always good. Sometimes people you know people have the, the wrong idea about them.
1: Yeah, you think like in your mind the image is like some stressed out, coked out chef who's yeah. ultra competitive and yelling and wants to get that Michelin star and wants to be viewed as the best. It does sound. Like things are, are, I don't know if you'd say outright, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I don't know if you can say collaborative, but at the very least, it sounds like Asbury Park has people building a safety net for each other, strong support system.
2: Yeah, there's absolutely that. Uh, Everybody is looking to collaborate on things. Everybody is looking for different ways to help each other out. Like, For example, we we carry Cheerwine Soda, which is a cherry soda from- North
1: Carolina. You know, I'm a huge soda. I'm a soda fanatic. You know this.
2: Awesome. We have a great soda case. you have to see it sometime. But um, so we carried a Cheerwine, but we, you of know, our vendors really stock it. And you, to buy it directly from Cheerwine, we would need to buy a pallet of it, like 60 cases. And if you've ever been in our shop, you know that storing 60 cases of soda is not possible. But around the corner from us is a really great restaurant called Arbar. And Arbar uses Cheerwine for some of their frozen cocktails and things like that. So they, they have the ability to bring in in large quantities, and then they sell it to us as we need it. Now, you know, they're not viewing us as com- competition. They're not, they're not kind of just looking out for number one. We, we spoke, and they had this product that, that we needed, and, you know, and then the other version of that is I am able to get the glass bottle sugar cane Mexican Coca-Cola that they use in a couple of drinks. So we, we swap that sometimes, or, or I just buy the soda from them, and it's it's just this great relationship. It's such a neighborly thing, and I I'll go over there and and have a chat with them and and, and walk the stuff back. And, it, and it's just it's all it's a very neighborly borrow a cup of sugar type of vibe.
1: Now I want to pause. I'm hearing a lot of static when you speak, so I'm a little nervous about that. So we're just going to pause. Okay. All right, everybody, we've uh, we've corrected some audio difficulties with a with a good uh, headphone switch. Although. I will say there's no way we're cutting any mention of cheerwine because <laughs> I'm a, I'm a true soda fanatic and that is I mean cheerwine Blenheims, ginger ale New Grape those are the big North Carolina those are the ones that come to mind for me so you I would have to imagine you're stocking that in part due to Carolina the the North Carolina's barbecue tradition
2: yeah absolutely so so uh, that's a that's a big part of it and um, the the whole e- flavor experience of taking this rich barbecue uh, bringing in like a, like a tangy vinegary bite of our coleslaw and then the really sweet sodas. So I, I'm, we, we don't have a lot of healthy drinks in the drink case. We, we're big into very sweet sodas because it's all part of that eating experience. You want to kind of have a complete bite for people that, that umami we're trying to create.
1: Now I need to, I need to hear what else is in this case because I am a, a soda fiend. So we got cheer one, we got Mexican Coke you've mentioned.
2: Yeah. I I just found Mexican Sprite. Ooh, which is that. really hard to come by. Um, big on Boylan's. So basically the whole run Jersey of Boylan's. Jersey zone. Jersey own. I had to, had to bring him in the cream soda, the root beer, the, the ginger ale, the grape and the orange. We were doing Stewart's grape, but we switched over to Boylan just to kind of make the case look nice. Um, we do Joe, Joe teas and they're actually uh-huh. in a New Jersey company too. So they have a really, really nice sweet tea and a really good classic lemonade. Um, and I'm trying to think of what else is in there. We brought in this uh, liquid death.
1: Uh huh. The water.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they have flavors now too that are really good.
1: And loving your drink case, Tom. I'm loving everything you're describing it to me. Yeah, I am I- into it. I gotta say too, I'm gonna go on record and let any- anybody listening know. I I've- I have long said that Boylan's ginger ale is a very underrated soda. That's one of the best ginger ales out there. I think a lot of people think Boylan's, they think uh, birch beer, they think black cherry, and those are great. But don't sleep on their ginger ale either.
2: Um, so, uh, yeah, I like it a lot. It has a ton of ginger flavor in it.
1: It's really great. So um also want to say, friend of the show, Pete Genovese, fan of yours as well. Um, we've interviewed Pete on the show. He put out New Jersey's 33 best barbecue joints. Now, in year one, you're 15. This is top half. When you see this, is there a competitive part of you that's like, come on, man, there's not 14 places better than me? Or is there a part of you going, <laughs> we're a year in on this business, I can't believe we're already in the top half?
2: You know, honestly, I am, am trying to put this in a way that doesn't knock Pete and his work and doesn't put anybody else on that list down. I don't, I don't see a, a, a scenario in which we're not number one. I, I think that we're oh, probably right. doing some of the, we're doing like the best barbecue in the Northeast.
1: I love it. Well, you got to have that confidence, right? There. Listen, this yeah. is a Jersey themed show, and you got Jersey people are known for their brashness, their confidence, and their balls. And if you're going to sit here and say, "Yeah, I, we'll catch up with those other 14 someday," I wouldn't even be interviewing right now because you'd no, uh, be surviving. You got to be number one. You're trying. Yeah, 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 you're yeah. trying I, to take down this place in Irvington, huh?
2: Absolutely, absolutely will. It, you know, I, I. It's just it's too much work. It's too physically exhausting. It's seven days a week. It's five a.m. to nine p.m. and, and if I'm not trying to be the absolute best, then what's the point of putting in all that work? If I'm not, if I'm not trying to be number one,
1: one hundred percent. And I do want to say too, uh, I have I've, we've interviewed both Pete Genovese and Jeremy Schneider on the show, who both wrote about write about food and a lot of these food lists. And uh, um, I think it's you know nj dot com clearly gets a lot of clicks on these things because they put them out constantly. Um, so I I could see in your face that you were like, man, that list pissed me off. It did. And- and I love that it did, but I also will say too. I've talked with both Pete and Jeremy. They also have perhaps the most fun job in New Jersey, and one of the hardest because they can't put out a list without getting many people angry. It's impossible.
2: It's true. It's true. But I, I think that part of them maybe lives for get for kind of getting people riled up with the list.
1: You got. But, I mean, that's what a good list is for, right?
2: It's true. And, and you know, honestly, uh, about Pete, he he came before we opened and wrote a really nice feature about their restaurant. And sat down with me for a long time and. So many people, especially in the first couple of months, had specifically mentioned his article on NJ.com or in the Star-Ledger about us as like what motivated them to come through. So we're, we're certainly very grateful for, to him for the, for the coverage he provided. Huge. He,
1: he also lays out in this list that your smoker, which he has a picture of, which looks insane, yep. um, that you towed it home with a Toyota 4Runner and it weighs 1,900 pounds, and you bought it in Georgia. You, That's right. I, you're, you're so tell. Tell me about your background in barbecue and how you even get to the point where you're spending, you know, huge money on a smoker and towing it up the entire Eastern Seaboard. It's a commitment.
2: Yeah, it was. I, I, and the funny aside to to that is, it was a custom built job by this company called Primitive Pits that makes the best of the best smokers for places in Texas and all over the world. Like the best barbecue in the world is cooked on these smokers. And I, I knew that we were going to do this. We needed one. So I, yeah, I drove, you know, 14 and a half hours to Cole mountain, Georgia to, to pick it up alone, you know, left at 3am on a Friday, stayed overnight, towed it back 15 and a half hours. The next day drove it on 95 through DC and Baltimore and the beltway towing this thing
1: <laughs> because was the serious drive of your life.
2: It, it was, you know, and the funny thing is this is like last May and I like binge listened to New Jersey is the world on the entire drive. So that's how I, you know, I, I was aware of the podcast and always, and I just didn't have a lot of time to sit down and, and listen. And I'm like, I'm going to listen to this podcast I've been hearing about. And that's how I became a fan of the show initially was on that drive.
1: I love that story. I love knowing that we were part of that stressful, stressful drive. Um, I remember when my son was born, that drive home from the hospital oh. was the first time he had the car seat that was the scare that sounds like i'm not going to say that it's as um precious as a human life but to have <laughs> this 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 smoker that you've custom ordered that you've driven to pick up driving that through dc traffic must be i mean if you crash that car this is this this is an entire business plan ruined in, on the first day
2: yeah or if i if i screwed up and didn't hitch it right or if i Run over something, or if I take a turn wrong, yeah, you know, and I jackknife the thing and, and all that. So I hadn't driven with a lot of trailers before, and I, I'm really, really bad at backing them up. So luckily, I was able to drive the whole 15 and a half hours home without ever needing to use reverse.
1: Damn,
2: well done. So that was good. Yeah, <laughs> well that was done. a relief.
1: And to your knowledge, uh, you said it was a uh, primitive pit. To your knowledge, are, is there anybody else cooking on one of these things in New Jersey?
2: Uh, not not professionally. I I think that there are a few people that maybe own them in yards, like just kind of backyard guys doing the thing. And, and yeah, no, nobody's really, nobody is really using that offset style of smoker like professionally in New Jersey at all. It's, uh, you know, it's the most labor intensive, least efficient way to cook. Basically (laughs) it's all wood. It's, it's, it's stupidly expensive. I understand why people don't do it, but for me, it's, it's a passion that bordering on an obsession and it just, it's the old school way. It has to be done this way.
1: You're dropping phrases that no business owner wants (laughs) labor intensive, overly expensive, inefficient. These are not phrases one thinks of as key. So this, uh, this is about the product. This is about the food. This is, this is, this is no joke to you.
2: No, it's yeah. It's not a joke. It's, it has to be done this way for me. Uh, You know, uh, I could have come in and, and taken every shortcut and, and just tried to make this the most efficient way possible. May, I could have, I could be reheating food. I could be doing a, a lot of things that make bit better business sense, but ultimately degrade the product and, and kind of don't respect the process. And for me, that, that was just a non-starter. That wasn't, that wasn't what I set out to do when we, when we started this and you have to kind of, yeah, you, you have to like, you have to kind of believe in something you need to set standards for yourself. And that, w- that was what all this was about.
1: So, big question that I bet you're tired of hearing that you have to answer a lot. New Jersey's known for a lot of things. People think Jersey food, they think pizza. That conversation has blown up in past years. Hot dogs, bagels, sandwiches, subs, right? Um, one of the longtime knocks on Jersey, I think, is where do you find the really good barbecue? That's always been a little bit of a stereotype. I think for food people is it's not the most barbecue heavy state. Is that something you agree with, disagree with? Do you feel like that dialogue's overblown or do you feel like you're helping to carve out a space where it will be in that conversation?
2: It, it's absolutely true. Uh, and you know, I joke with people all the time that yeah, I opened a restaurant and I didn't open a pizzeria because pizza has been perfected here. Um, I saw, I saw an opportunity to, to do a style of craft barbecue that wasn't really being done here. Uh, and, and I saw an opportunity to kind of get in front of a market with, with, who maybe didn't fully respect barbecue or didn't understand it. And, you know, an opportunity to kind of educate and to, and, and to bring, bring, this, the, bring some respectability to this form of food, which I think right now is sort of seen as more of a fast food uh, it's it's not taken as seriously from a culinary perspective. And that was a that's been a big mission of ours since day one, was to to bring that respectability to barbecue, to let it be seen in a more serious culinary light. There's definitely, I you know, there's there's definitely room and, and a, like a space that we're trying to create. And I and I know that at some point, other people will follow us into the market and will do will be doing craft barbecue, do real live fire cooking the way we're doing it. And, and, you know, I, I welcome that. I hope that we can kind of put New Jersey on the map that way.
1: It sounds like you almost see a pathway for the same thing that's happened with pizza, where Jersey always had a great reputation for pizza. And in the past, let's say five to 10 years, all of a sudden getting a little bit more of these artisanal pizza, pizzas, less, uh, less the greasy pie that we grew up with a little bit more of the Napolitan style. Um, which seems just like a lot of people who grew up on pizza learn how to make it and they keep just kind of advancing and making it better and better. It's funny because barbecue is a very working class food. Those are the types of foods that I think Jersey has always embraced. So it's cool to see that you see a similar pathway for barbecue in this state.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, and um it's yeah, but you, you've seen how pizza has evolved from sort of the I joke with my friends, Standario's pizza. It's like kind of that standard paper plate slice into what it's become. And certainly there's room for barbecue to grow that way. And I think the more educated, the smarter the marketplace becomes, the, the more likely that is to happen. And, and, you know, barbecue is also sort of having a cultural moment right now. It, it's it's become this really popular thing. I think as, as people from like our region travel more to barbecue you know, the regions of the country that are known for barbecue, they're they, the, the, way that some of like grilling and, and, and smoking at home has become a really popular thing. We're getting a lot of people in like that. Everybody tells me about how they own a, a Traeger grill and, and they tried to do brisket and they tried to do that. And, and, and it's great. It helps us that uh, you're seeing all like the reality TV shows that, uh, about barbecue. Some of the, some of the big pit masters around the country have become, sort of household names in, in Aaron Franklin and those types. So yeah, I, I, I do think that there's kind of an opportunity for for the the craft barbecue to, to grow here the way that uh, other foods have.
1: It does also beg the question, because I'm sad to report to you, I, I stopped eating meat a few years ago. I married a vegetarian, it rubbed <laughs> off on me. This conversation does bum me out in the sense that Barbecue is one of my favorite things. At traveling as much as I do as a comedian, I'm always eating local foods. So I'm getting the sense of how you think of this. You're very passionate. Um, you've talked about how if you're gonna do this, you're gonna cook on the right smoke, or you're gonna do it the right way. It's a craft for you. It's you know, you do think that barbecue is a little lackluster in New Jersey historically. You wanna up the game. It does beg the question, like Texas, you think brisket, right? Kansas City, different. North of the Carolinas, you think of the vinegar-based sauces. Tennessee, the dry rub ribs. What's this? Is a two-part question: Is what style is mutiny representing right now? And I, I have a feeling you're the type of person going. I'm going to do this long enough that there will be a New Jersey style barbecue, however long that takes. Yeah, it's not yeah. going to be.
2: So we're we're almost lucky in a sense right now here in New Jersey that there aren't these really strict regional expectations that 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 i get to kind of bring it all together and uh uh, a lot a lot of my time leading up to this was spent traveling i I was in the corporate world and traveling quite a bit for for my job uh extensively through you know some of the furthest corners of texas and through the deep south and tennessee and the carolinas and and all that Um, so we we create a hybrid style that draws in inspiration from a lot of different places. So our, our brisket is very much a central Texas style brisket, but our pulled pork is really, really traditionally Eastern Carolina. I call the ribs a modified Memphis because they go dry for 90% of the cook. And then we just kind of brush a thin layer of sauce on them right before they come off the smoker. So they're mostly a dry rubbed rib. Yeah. We, um, we get to have fun with it. We get to try different stuff. We get to make an Alabama white sauce to, to, to serve with our chicken wings and things like that. So we, we, we kind of are all over the map with our styles and and that, that works out really well because people come in and I love to talk to them about their travels. and Oh, I was here and I was there and I ate this and, and, and I tried this barbecue and chances are it, if you're coming into my shop to tell me about where you ate barbecue, I've probably been there or been nearby and even the food too. So it's always fun to, to, to chat. I do think that there is room for New Jersey to kind of get its own style. And we're, I'm every day I'm, I'm in the, the kitchen with the guys and we're sort of working around the edges of that idea. And I, I think it, in, it incorporates some of like the unique culture that's here in this in the state of New Jersey. Uh, I think it's, It's Italian. It's Polish. It's, it's a lot of different things that we can bring in and, and trying to exactly figure that out. That's kind of the fun part. And I think that there'll be a lot of people to kind of, that, that, where that'll help. Like, I I just like the idea of like, you know, a a classic Italian deli type sandwich, uh, you know, but make it barbecue.
1: I did see. Uh, you brought up Italian and Polish, and it did make me. I, I follow, I've been following you guys on Instagram for a while, and I see. Was it a sausage of the week or a sausage of the month? That I'm starting to see how these dots are connecting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Those are there's some real sausage heavy cultures that have roots in New Jersey. Maybe let's start to blend them there.
2: It's it's absolutely true. So, uh, and my wife's parents are Polish immigrants. Like she grew up as a Polish speaker, and uh, they they have a big, huge Polish family uh, around the state, and. Uh, the kielbasa is such a is such a big thing, and so we did it smoked, and it and it's just kind of have has a flavor of its own, and it was a it was kind of a fun thing to to bring that element and to bring a little bit of of like her family background into what we're doing in the restaurant.
1: I love it. I love it. I said it's funny. We um, someone who I wouldn't be shocked if you were familiar at least vaguely. We did an episode at uh, Bagels by Jarrett in my hometown of West Orange, and he went from a bagel store to. You know, it was this crazy story. He was going to open a bagel shop. COVID hits. He starts putting out specials. Now it's kind of whatever comes into his mind. And I said, you know, he'll put out Mexican food on a Wednesday night and Italian food on a Thursday night. And then it'll be Kanish's on the Knish special on Friday. I go, man, that kind of just is Essex County right there, though. Like, if you really want to look at what New Jersey is, it's. Hispanic and Irish and Italian and Jewish and Polish and everybody on top of each other crossing paths. So I'm glad to hear that there's, um, it sounds like your brain is working and maybe not, he he is outright manic if you follow him on Instagram. Sounds like you've got, but, but a little bit more of a a through line and seeing some of those connections though.
2: Absolutely. And, And, you know, kind of bringing some of the cultural backgrounds of New Jersey into this, into the restaurant has been a big thing for us. Like, uh, we around St. Patrick's Day, we did a, a smoked brisket shepherd's pie. You know, for me, uh, uh, as an Irish American, so I thought that was so like a really good, it was awesome. Bonnadoosh was a so fan.
1: Good. Oh, Bonnadoosh came by. <laughs> What's right. funny, when we first reached out, when we first touched base, I immediately, we were all joking and I said, I'm going to tell the guys that you've been liking the show. I guarantee Bonaduce will come by. And I hadn't, yeah. t- I hadn't, this is not, I didn't send Bonaduce. I didn't ask, Bonaduce. I just know <laughs> Bonaduce. I know where he likes to hang out. He's in Asbury Park all the time. And I knew he was going to swing by. Um, so I'm glad he liked that brisket shepherd's pie. That sounds so good.
2: Oh, it, was a, it was really incredible. Our chef, uh, Austin O'Brien makes a, not a mashed potato, a pom puree that is like out of this world that we put on top of that.
1: I'm so mad. I don't eat meat having this conversation.
2: And you know, it's funny too, that we're, we can't be all things to all people. So we can't go crazy trying to be trying to, to have something for every vegetarian or every non-meat eater. But that is a big part of it for us. And um, something I told my staff early on was I didn't want to be the, one of these lame cliched, like meat pun places. You know, to me, that was cheap. That's right. like a cheap barbecue route of like, oh, rub my butt, pull my, all, all that stuff. It didn't, it wasn't any good to me. And I didn't want to be one of those businesses that was like so, so meat fetishy and was like antagonizing non-meat eaters. So we came in and we wanted to have some options. We wanted to, if, if a group is going to come in and dine with us and somebody didn't eat meat, we wanted to have something for them. So like we worked the bean recipe where we took meat out of it. We, you know, we, we're, we're always looking at different kinds of specials. Like I've been working on a smoked portobello for a while that we'll be able to run and, and all that sort of stuff. Like wanting to, wanting to take care of our community because it's Asbury Park. People are, people are health conscious. People are kind of socially conscious and some people don't eat meat because of that. We, we don't want to alienate them.
1: It's, I mean, you got enough you got enough punk rockers who are gonna lean vegan down there that it would be bad business to not have an option right yeah, and absolutely there is it is funny. I've never been able to ask any of um any of the uh business owners we've talked to you about this before, but since barbecue is so traditionally thought of as a meat thing and you're saying you don't want to be one of these meat fetishist like antagonistic places, you mentioned Portobellos, you mentioned that you don't have the burn ends in your beans. How are we feeling about impossible and beyond in the barbecue world? Oh, I don't Your know. Your face is very revealing. Very I revealing gotta, there.
2: I got to try it. I, I've never eaten an impossible burger. I've heard good things. Um, I, but I don't know. If I, if I was a person who didn't eat meat, I don't know if that would be uh, appealing to me. I don't know if the, the, like the way they say, oh, it bleeds like a, like a burger does like a, and all that. I don't know if that's what I'd want. I, if I had decided not to eat meat, I think I would just not eat meat.
1: In my experience with other vegetarians, it's a line. You either love them or people are either totally freaked out or you're like my wife is like, I don't need my meat to bleed. I'm happy with a bean burger. I'm like, Please, right? I can eat White Castle again. Let's do it. Let's make it happen.
2: Yeah, I I, I think it, it, there's probably a convenience factor to it, and it, it just kind of like kind of ex- simulates the experience well enough that it, it 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 can scratch the itch. I don't know if those if those type of things hold up to like. 12 hours of smoking though, the way that yeah. the whole brisket
1: would. Oh, I bet. I bet not. I bet not. Oh man. It's funny. I didn't anticipate getting halfway through this conversation and realizing how angry I am. <laughs> At, as you describe everything, the products you're putting out, the thought you put into them. And I'm sitting here going, and many of these things are things I can never try. I can never have the brisket shepherd's pie.
2: I have a lot of people who are not like strict vegetarians but who who have chosen to reduce the amount of meat they're, they're eating in their lives, and we're like, they're we're the splurge. Often. When they break
1: they, the edge, they break yeah. it with you.
2: Yeah, they come in and like, and, and they're you know, is this going to be worth it? Yes. Don't go. Don't go and eat a crappy frozen hamburger. If you if you're gonna eat some meat, come here to the place that has respected the cut of meat, treated it well, and, and prepared it properly.
1: I love it. I love it. Now I want to go back to your roots a little bit more. I'm very fascinated. I had, I had read a little bit about it, but then you brought it up quickly. I didn't realize that Mogo were the ones behind the food collective and that it was an express goal to try to, it sounds like you are a success story of that brainchild of theirs.
2: A hundred percent. Yes. Um, the, what they've built there, they, they're in the old Trinity seafood warehouse on Sewell Avenue in Asbury park. It's a big, huge space with a big lot. So, it, it it served as like the hub for that, that provides that does prep work for their two locations, the boardwalk and Cookman Avenue. But I think they realized that they had all this space that they knew that there were people out there and, and you know, the idea of ghost kitchens or, or kind of commissaries and all that was out there. And they started this thing. They have, they have uh, like powered spaces for food trucks to park overnight, you know, with, with a locked oh, wow. gate and security, and then they have people like us who come into this space with an idea, but not the money to go and just start a restaurant. And, and we really needed a, a low risk place to test the concept, to see if, if people were looking for this type of food and to see if we could really make it work. Um, so not, not just in providing the space, but then also providing the mentorship uh, Sam Jay and Andrew from Mogo were really, really critical in our early days. Uh, they were so gracious with their time and, and would like let me sit down with them for an hour and ask a million questions. And you know the the aside from their food being really good, um, you know that's that's something I always say say about them is like now I've seen the entire inner workings of their operation, how their food is made, and it just made me love it more. Like to see that they're using like heritage breed, Duroc pork belly for the pork taco that is, you know, just the pork taco that, that they're using like whole ribeye for the beef taco that they're, that, that they're slicing in-house uh, just the, the level to which they care was really inspirational for me. But, and then just the way that they built their business too was really inspirational and how smart they are with, with all of that and, and how they run things. So to have them as mentors was massive for us.
1: It's extremely cool to hear about from the outside looking in as well, because again, total outsider. There are people on the ground who who have been part of everything that's happened in Asbury Park the past 10 years or so. I will say as somebody from the outside looking in who would come through Asbury Park on occasion for, you know, the weird New Jersey Halloween party or to go see ECW at the convention center, to go see Bad Religion at the Stone Pony, like um, dropping in here and there, one of the first things you did start to hear about, you you heard about a couple things. One was the gay community is fixing up a lot of the old Victorian houses, and a lot of people were very excited about that. And I think Asbury Park retains a lot of, it is a very pride-driven town um, in a way that's truly beautiful. And then I think one of the first businesses you started to hear about that was getting buzz was, oh, Asbury Park's got Korean tacos now. That was one of the first things you heard as an outsider. So to hear that Mogo pulled that off, does things the right way and is now also helping people like you get a foothold and launch their own things. That is a huge credit to them as well.
2: Oh, absolutely. And and they had a very similar challenge to us in that when they entered the market, Korean food hadn't had this big boom that it's had. Like they were kind of on the very early end of that. So, they, you know, they chose the taco as a platform for their food because they thought it would help make it easier to understand for people. And they had a lot of of marketplace education. They had to educate the consumer a lot about what the food was and and all that kind of stuff. And I felt that I was challenged in the same way that, yes, people are aware of what barbecue is, but they kind of maybe they don't know everything they should know. They're not as knowledgeable as as a Texan who's eaten barbecue uh, several times a week at one of the best places. So similar challenges and and they they had really great insights into that just the whole idea of we're going to we're going to make this food we're going to serve this korean food to people as a taco to make it kind of familiar to or to you know to make it handheld to make it easy
1: yeah i feel like and then i mean that's its own challenge right of like let a food that doesn't have a foothold in this area let's figure out how to translate it you have that separate but equal struggle of there is a stereotype yeah can't really get great barbecue in jersey what a daunting thing to overcome, but it sounds like, I feel like anybody who talks to you for five minutes is convinced when they walk through the door. I have to imagine.
2: Yeah, we, we, we're converting people for sure. We get, we get people in and it's, it's, it's a dream for me. It's to get to, I, I'm hosting a backyard barbecue every single day. I have people coming through and I get to talk and I get to, you know, yak about my smoker and, and the whole process and get to really do it in front of people too. That, that, uh, you know, the smoker is out on the back patio, like in the center of the dining area where everybody can see it. And, I'm, and we're out there attending to the fire or, or pulling stuff on or off the smoker as our guests dine. And we really get to talk to them about it. I love the idea of putting, putting the whole process in front of them the, way, the same way that maybe a brewery or a distillery is doing where you go to, to a brewery and you're sampling. The entire process is out there in front of you. You're, you're kind of among all the tanks and, and all that stuff.
1: I love that mentality. Now, you you mentioned before you were joking, saying in your first year of business, you learned pretty much every lesson the hard way. Being that Mutiny was built out of this spirit of collaboration and support with Mogo and starting the collective, are there any things that you look back on now and go, oh, anyone who's even thinking about starting a business, you're going to have, I mean, there's a million lessons you're going to have to learn on your own. Are there any big ones where you sit here and you go, I can't believe we we got blindsided by this. Here's the obvious ones that we got blindsided by. Don't let this hit you.
2: Yeah. Um. Just the, one of the, the, one of the advices one of, that Sam from Ogo had gave me was like, you just overcapitalize. You're going to need more money than you think you need. And I w I was just convinced that like, well, we, we only had what we had. My, my wife and I, we started this business with a, a home equity line of credit on our house. And jeez, yeah. And that was all we had. There was, there's no investor group. There's no Sackman Realty owning half of the place. There's like it, like they do everybody else in Asbury Park. It's just us. So I get, yeah. That that was. We were blindsided by that. I was really blindsided too about how much it costs to fix things. How like how a refrigerator goes down and you you get somebody in to repair it and eleven hundred dollars just like that. Like boom, gone. Oof. It's right. uh, so you. I, I think the the one of the key lessons was watch a lot of YouTube videos and learn how to fix things yourself. Learn how to clean things yourself. Any uh, you know any any way that, that that I can save us a dime. You know, a lot of nights I'm the owner of the place, but I'm also the dishwasher. You know, like like uh, my guys that work in the kitchen. I I tell them you know they they do such a great job putting out our food, and I told them I didn't hire you guys to wash dishes, so I do it. Uh, and I'm happy to do it, but like, yeah, the, the lessons are brutal. And then I would say, don't open a business in a short town in the middle of winter in a pandemic. If, right. if you can avoid that, those pitfalls, you'll be okay.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, I would have, I have to be- imagine every Asbury park restaurant, right? You try to make your nut in the summer months and then you try to batten on the hatches and keep the momentum going as best as possible. It's one of the very smart things about forming collectives and working together is that if you can, the more restaurants that come out of that place, the less it is a shore town and the more it is a food destination town and that food destination can, you're eating good food at places like yours and Mogo and all the, at Toast, at Toulouse, all the places that we've listed, those foods still exist in February, everybody. So let's remember that too.
2: Yeah. And we're lucky. I, I, Asbury Park is definitely a short town. It's like We see the population increase I, I, in the summer months, obviously, but it's it's much more residential and year-round here than it is in, in some of the other towns, than your Belmar, your Point Pleasant-type towns. Yeah. Um, there's, there's more of a year-round population. There's more stuff going on year-round. There's more reasons to come to Asbury Park throughout the year than maybe some of those other places that are more entirely dependent on their... Their beachfront, their boardwalk.
1: I have to wonder too, um, and th- now this is a thing you can only ask on such a Jersey specific podcast because people will actually know. I have to imagine, you know, you think of like like a place that I went to twice when I was down there, Cookman Creamery right there, Cookman Ave, Cookman Ave is blown up, toast, Tululas, uh, we do our shows at a House of Independence, not a food venue, but you know, a bunch of great bars, Bond Street right there. Yeah. Alley Mae and Joe running out of um um I know the last word is line. I'm yeah. Sure capital like, line. Yeah. Capital line. Like you're on fifth Avenue. This is a little bit more far flung. There's a part of me that goes, well, in the summer months, that must be frustrating. Cause you're not necessarily getting the, there's a lot of foot traffic up and down Cookman, but in the winter months, you're right there in the neighborhoods where people live on fifth Avenue.
2: Yeah, that's definitely true. They're, they're Asbury park is, is definitely a walking town though. So we're getting a lot of people coming through, but it's not, it's not the way it is downtown over a, a up in North Asbury where we're at. And, um, but there, you know, there are so many good businesses around us that we, and, and I've, I've been trying to gather everybody together and kind of, kind of figure out ways that we can collaborate or, or advocate for ourselves at that end of town. You, um, you know, the pride parade misses us. The St. Patrick's day parade misses us. It doesn't come up to that corner of town.
1: Frustrating. That's the events
2: and things like that. Yeah. And, uh, there's, there's definitely a frustration because I feel like the city probably, it just takes better care of that downtown end of town. There's been like, there's been an abandoned box spring sitting like on the side, in the side street, uh, like around the corner from us and like right by, by Georgie's for like weeks. And it wouldn't, an abandoned box spring wouldn't sit there for weeks on Cookman Avenue. It just wouldn't. No way. (laughs) No So yeah, certainly some frustration, but we, we have kind of, we have kind of a cool factor up there on, on that end of town and and people sort of know and people, and, and the word is getting out. We, um, the chamber of commerce did the, did a food tour where they were, you know, you, you basically opened your doors to 700 people and they all came through and you gave them a sample and we did like a, a pork tasting and uh, like a lot of people had been, it, we were hearing from a lot of people like, Oh, I didn't even know. I never go, come up to this part of town. I didn't even know this was here. I didn't know you were here. I didn't know anything i never we only go to cookman avenue or the beach so uh yeah the, the word is definitely getting around but we're also working really hard to advocate for ourselves like you said we have we got frank's deli we have georgie's the the most iconic gay bar in the state in my opinion and, and not just not just the best bar in asbury park but really kind of the only bar the only place that is proud to just be a bar it's not a cocktail lounge it's not a nightclub it's not a gastro pub it's a bar um you know we have the r bar around the corner from us too just you know which Pete genevieve's had listed as the number one restaurant in the state and he's right they're just an incredible spot so yeah if you're listening to this come up to north asbury it's really cool we're
1: all awesome i love (laughs) it i love i i will say as somebody who grew up in this state realizing that we can now go the conversation has now shifted from like hey everybody get back to Asbury, like Asbury park, there's this rebirth. It's a beautiful thing. You think of like the Asbury lanes and all those shows that were bringing in people and all that stuff for so long You go, And now the conversation is like, Hey everybody get up to the deal Lake side, get up to that, get up to the North side. Like yeah. what a, what a beautiful thing. And I'm sure, it, you know, I'm sure that again, gentrification brings with it all sorts of issues, but I think overall, Anybody looking at it can say, "Like, what a beautiful thing to see that the town's now healthy enough that you can be going get off of Cookman Avenue." There's, where there's more places everywhere now. I think that what a beautiful unfolding of a conversation to uh, to witness from the outside looking in.
2: And it, yeah, and you know, a lot is changing in Asbury, but we, you know, I for me, our our whole mission is to be a neighborhood joint to not yeah. be. To not be overly pretentious, to be a place for everybody. Like we have, we have people that come in who live in that big Asbury Ocean Club tower building, and we have people who come in on a regular basis who are in Section Eight or in public housing, uh, because we ha- we're we're providing for for an entire community, not just a portion of it of this community.
1: I love it. I love it. And 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 not to throw shade at anybody, but there's probably, like you said. There are sometimes corporate-funded restaurants. There are sometimes people that are strategic, but that's probably not always the case. It's probably about a bottom line in getting in front of the people who have the most money to spend. So kudos to you for recognizing the value in uh, embracing everybody. I think it's awesome.
2: Yeah, it, it, for us, it, that's that's what it's about. If we're going to be a part of this community, we have to be a part of the entire community.
1: Now, here's a tough question. I want you to answer honestly. This will be our final question. I thank you for all your time today. That's yeah, my pleasure. So you've mentioned, I mean... What an adventure you've been on. I mean you and your wife borrow against your house to start this restaurant. You leave the corporate world. You're you have this gigantic smoker that you dragged up the seaboard. You're slaving over it all night. You're washing the dishes at the end of the night when the fridge goes down you're figuring out how to be an electrician off of YouTube. Do you ever look back and go, what the fuck did why did I do this? Do you have those moments or are you all in on this dream still?
2: There are there are moments of you know tough moments where I can kind of say like why did I do this? Am I in over my head? Did, uh, you know the imposter syndrome it can be real sometimes. But truthfully, I my 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 it's been less than a year since I left the corporate world, but it feels like such a distant memory. I couldn't imagine my day to day being any different. I couldn't imagine a scenario where I don't go and. And open that place up at five a.m. and get that smoker lit up. And, and no matter what the weather's doing, I le- I'm like, I'm so grateful every day. I, I I'm the last person out at night. I shut the lights off and I do. I just like I just kind of say, "Good job" and thank you to the restaurant I pat the wall. I love and it. Yeah, I'm. I'm. It's. I'm thrilled. I couldn't imagine. I do. I. I regret nothing. Uh, you know, I and I'm. I'm not burnt out. It's just. It it can be a lot, but it's uh, it. It was the whole point. That was what mutiny was about. Was really the whole concept of being the captaining my own ship and and charting my own course, so to speak. And you know that was the birth of the name in it. So yeah, we're thrilled.
1: I love it, and I think this doesn't even need to be said, but just to get it on record, if you're listening to our podcast and you like all the dumb nostalgic stories of growing up in Jersey, you like the food reviews Don does. If you you know, all the stuff, all the South Jersey stuff that Andrea does on the Patreon. If you, if you like us, you know that one of the things we're always trying to put our finger on is this very, very hard to define New Jersey vibe. And so much of that is about being a self-starter, is about taking big chances, and is about betting on yourself. I think a lot of the music that comes out of New Jersey has those themes. I know as a comedian, I've always felt very embraced in my home state because I feel like I did that. And your restaurant, it clearly walks that same path has that same spirit. So it doesn't even need to be said. But if you're hearing this and you're a fan of New Jersey is the world, one of the great things about Asbury Park that we all knew forever, went back when it was an abandoned boardwalk, everybody was going, how is it? How is this place not bouncing back yet when it's so easy to get to compared to so many other short places? So get yourself to Asbury. Get to Mutiny. Buy yourself some of those vegetarian beans. or uh, I am jealous of everybody. Go eat all the real stuff, too. Go eat all the meat and say hi to Tom it sounds like you'll almost definitely be there if people come by
2: yeah I, I pretty much live there so it, it, I wouldn't have it any other way though I, I love it i love to be there and the, the best part of it is getting to chat with people getting to meet people coming through our door
1: do it up everybody get yourself to mutiny say hello enjoy some food that's cooked with some real love some real soul some real thought put behind it and Tom thank you for all the time today
2: no thank you so much Chris what a thrill this has been so awesome
0: Thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the World. New Jersey is the World is Chris Gethard, Nikki Bonaduce, Don Finelli, Andrea Quinn, Carson Kopp, and Mike D. New Jersey is the World is produced and edited by Carson Kopp, Mike D., and Andrea Quinn. You can find us online at New Jersey is the World and on Instagram at New Jersey is the World. Also, please feel free to reach out and leave us a voicemail by contacting the home office of New Jersey is the World at 973-780-4660 in regards to anything show or New Jersey related. Please subscribe and listen to more episodes of New Jersey is the World on your favorite podcast service. If you're looking to join our extremely opinionated and Jersey-ish community, Head on over to Patreon.com and search for New Jersey is the World. We have merch, which you can find at BelowTheCollar.com after searching for Chris Gethard. Once again, thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the World. New Jersey is the World. Where New Jersey is the World.